welcome to the Jazz Matters podcast with me, Darren Harper. If you're a regular listener, then welcome back and thank you for being patient as it's been about six weeks since our last episode, which featured the fantastic Boston-born pianist, singer, songwriter, Jen Kearney. And of course, that is still available if you haven't heard it yet, wherever you find your podcasts or on the website jazzmatters.net. Well, during the brief hiatus, I've been working on a couple of other projects and I've still been busy hosting my weekly radio show, The London Jazz Review, which goes out every Saturday on Jazz Bites Radio. But the heart of the Jazz Matters project is the podcast, so it's great to be back. And I've also used this time to line up some very exciting guests. And it starts this time out with London-born trumpeter, composer and, amongst other projects, leader of the Banger Factory, Mr Mark Kavuma. Well, we'll be learning where it all started for Mark, a bit about his musical inspirations and what the future holds for him right after this. It's one of my favourite Mark Kavuma tracks, taken from the album Kavuma, and it's called Papa Joe.
South Londoner Mark Kavuma came to music quite late compared to many other professional musicians. None of his family played music, and by the time he started secondary school at the age of 11, Mark had still had no musical training of any description. At his new secondary school, St Thomas the Apostle in Peckham, South London, all first years had to take music lessons as part of the curriculum. It was during these lessons that Mark met an inspirational music teacher who literally changed his life. When came the time for Mark to choose which subjects he wished to continue with, his music teacher convinced Mark to continue with music, having seen his potential. Then came the decision as to what instrument Mark would learn. He chose the guitar and trumpet because, well, that's what his friend chose. After trial lessons with both instruments, his friend chose the guitar, but Mark, as we know, fell in love with the trumpet. And considering the lack of musicians in Mark's family, the arrival of a trumpet into the family home was probably something of a shock. So I've got a trumpet and I remember going home with this beaten up trumpet case and my mum just looked at me thinking, hmm, well, you know, I guess, <laughs> I guess it will keep him busy. But not long after that, Mr Morgan took me to a place called, well, it's actually a band called Connecticut Blocker which is based in South London and it's, it's basically made up of 150 kids. You've got a steel pan section, brass section, um, drum section, dance section. And when I walked in there, it just completely blew my mind. Um, I remember seeing Claude Depper for the first time playing trumpet and I was just like, wow. Matt Fox, Andy Grappy, they were the teachers, they were the main teachers there. And um, so, I, you know, I walk... Uh, to the trumpet section and I'm introduced to everybody and when we started playing Claude's just sound just completely toppled everybody's it was just overpowering and I was like I want to be just like that guy <laughs> but um so I guess Claude Depper was my first musical hero and it was around that time not long after I started playing I would say a few months that I decided this is what I want to do this is what makes me happy Playing with Connecticut Blocko was hugely advantageous for Mark's development and his music education. Playing in the all-day eight-hour sessions built up significant levels of endurance in the budding musician, meaning that when he went through the classical music grading system through his school, he did so with relative ease, earning a distinction in his very first efforts. But there was something else driving Mark on to really push himself musically, or to be more precise, someone. One year above Mark at the same school was the now highly acclaimed phenomenal tuba player, Theon Cross. Theon was like, he was incredible. He got a distinction in everything he did. So I remember when I got that first distinction, and Fionn was, you know, also had a distinction for whatever grade he did. I remember thinking, okay. So the next time we had a great, uh, an exam, 
uh, you know, I was looking out for a few and he got a distinction when the results came. But <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is that really having Fionn there really kind of made me focus and I wanted to like, I wanted to do what I, you know, I wanted to also do, well. I also wanted to get a distinction. In his musical life, Mark really hit the ground running and had the benefit very early on of playing and working with some highly significant names in the industry. He played with the much acclaimed Jean Toussaint's Young Lions, as well as Tomorrow's Warriors, an organisation which has become hugely influential in the UK jazz scene. It was with Tomorrow's Warriors that Mark entered the first ever UK edition of the famous American big band competition, essentially Ellington, in 2012. At the competition, Mark felt the Warriors wouldn't stand a chance against highly organised outfits such as the National Youth Jazz Orchestra. But as one would expect, they more than held their own, and Mark was actually voted best soloist at the event. This led to the opportunity to play and tour with the legendary Wynton Marsalis and the Jazz at the Lincoln Orchestra. That was priceless. That, that completely changed my view on what it is to be a musician, I suppose, in terms of professionalism. And that was instrumental in the sense of it also opened up connections over over in the States, you know. So that really helped whenever I've gone to the States through the connection of Winton. It's helped me get around, you know. But playing with Jean Toussaint was also very instrumental in my life because that was more of a small band setting. And, you know, I just had the opportunity to, to just stand next to him in various gigs and, and you know try and live up to <laughs> whatever was put in front of me that came about really because I asked for him to give me lessons at Trinity so he was my teacher and so I had access to him in that way and having the access and then also being able to play in his in one of his bands was incredible for me you know and really helped shape and guide me when forming my own bands and developing that. Of the many projects that Mark has been involved with in the eight years since his essentially Ellington appearance, he is probably most well-known now as the leader of the sensational band The Banger Factory. Genuinely one of my favourite bands of the moment, they bring a fresh take and a new sense of urgency to a classic and comfortingly familiar sound, winning favour from audiences young and old, new and established. So how did the Banger Factory come to be? And just where did that trademark sound come from? The Banger Factory, I suppose, to me, is a, an institution just dedicated to giving people a good time. The band started, or should I say has developed, uh, at the Prince of Wales in Brixton. 
And initially, it was a quintet, which was me, Ruben Fox, Artisites, and that was basically the core band. But the bass and the drums changed, kind of interchanged quite a bit. And in the beginning, it was Ruben's... Ruben got the, the gig, you know, so it was Ruben's gig initially. And it was amazing because it was every Thursday and it was every Sunday. So we, we really had the opportunity to learn songs, try them out, uh, write our own songs, try them out. And it was it was perfect for that. So me, Artie and Ruben were the core band and we had the opportunity to play with a l- many of the of the drummers in London through that gig, you know, um, from the likes of Femi Colioso, Steve Brown, Matt Fishwick, um, Chris Draper, Jason Brown. It, just, it was amazing for that, you know, we had the opportunity to play with a lot of different people. And then on bass, it was kind of the same story, but we uh, Dario De Leche was kind of... Um, our regular bass player and it was going good we started there was no one there and people started to hear about it and and within the year Thursday night was was packed you know it was it was amazing but after about uh, maybe two years after we started the gig and at this point it's doing very well Ruben moved to New York and when Ruben moved to New York it was kind of handed over to me I suppose the first thing I set about to do was get a permanent drummer and get a permanent bass player. And so we have a band, we have a unit that we can rehearse and we we know that everybody's going to know the songs and everybody's going to know the arrangements and, you know, we can really work things out. And that drummer was Will Cleesby, who was uh, at Trinity. And I remember hearing him and I said, this, this is our man. <laughs> um... So we had the drummer. So it was me, RT, and at this point, as Ruben had left, uh, Musingi Brown Edwards took over on saxophone, which was a very natural progression, actually, because Musingi played at the Haggerston, and he was kind of like our mentor. We, we'd go up there to listen, and we kind of took the idea of the Haggerston initially to kind of start the Prince of Wales. And... Not long after that, Dario couldn't make the gigs as often, so we needed to find a bass player, and we found Marco Shrimpling. <laughs> and Marco Shrimpling changed everything. He was just what we needed, and things kind of really took off from then. Um, the band was really starting to come together. The music was coming together. Um, the people were having a good time, and. In regards to the style of music we play, I don't think it was a conscious decision to write in a certain vein. It was just kind of, it just happened organically. And when I write music, I, I, I don't think too much about, oh, I want it to be in this style or I want it to, to you know, it just kind of, it comes out and we just work with that. But um, as, as the years have gone on, the band has kind of got bigger and there's been uh it's it's now i would say more of a collective but the beautiful thing about it is you've got uh, musingi who's he's the oldest member of the band but he's still you know we we all get together 
in a way that that's irrelevant and you know everybody brings something to the table and he brings wisdom and he brings um experience and in regards to the other members it's just the everybody's got this passion for 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 music so everybody that's kind of come into the band later on with it's just our collective love of you know this this music so it's quite amazing actually what it's become but i'm very proud of it i am very proud of it In a career of steady growth, 2019 saw Mark really come of age. He had a truly remarkable year filled with significant achievements that really helped to establish him on the jazz scene. One of the biggest moments for Mark was the release of the second Banger Factory album, which had been some time in the making, and the subsequent launch party at a sold-out jazz cafe in Camden. So what else made Mark's 2019 really stand out. Other highlights include our performance at Love Supreme, which was a big success. Um, also, my first proms. I played at the proms and we played Duke Ellington's Sacred Concert. I was playing with New Civilization Orchestra, but also featuring Monty Alexander, the great Monty Alexander, Carleen Anderson and the UK Vocal Assembly. That was magical. Wow. Wow, wow, we. As we've already established, Marcus had the opportunity to work with some amazing artists. But his development of the Banger Factory alone is proof of his love of collaboration, sharing music and ideas with like minded people. But when asked to consider who he might like to work with in the future, I was a little taken aback that many of the names that came to mind for Mark are so close to home, it's actually surprising they haven't happened already. This can only be a sign of just how vibrant the current UK jazz scene really is, and that is all thanks to people like Mark. John Batiste, he's an incredible musician and a big inspiration. Inspiration in the sense of his command of the instrument and his artistry. I would love to work with Sheila Maurice Gray. I think she's amazing. And I would love to do like a trumpet summit with maybe her, Dylan Jones, Ife, you know, because we've, we've all grown up together and I think it would be very special. I would like to work with Fionn Cross, Theon, me and Theon have grown up together musically, but we've never actually had a project together. And it's always been a, a, a dream of mine to make that happen. I would also like to work with Shabaka. I think Shabaka's doing great things, but he hasn't got a trumpet player.
That there was the title track from the 2019 album The Banger Factory from Mark Kavuma and Company. And that brings us on to the home straight of this episode of the Jazz Matters podcast. However, before we part company, it is worth letting you know what treats Mark has in store for all of us as live music continues to make its very slow return to normal. Firstly, we have a very exciting third Banger Factory album to look forward to later this year, and Mark promises it is bigger and better than its predecessors. Mark is also set to release his debut album on piano, which will also feature Artie Zates on Hammond organ, so make sure you keep your eyes and ears peeled for that one. The regular Prince of Wales gigs will be restarting in a slightly different format in July, and there will also be a Banger Factory live-streamed gig on the 24th of July 2020 for New Generation Jazz. And finally, you can also expect to hear the brand new Banger Factory podcast coming very soon. For more information on all of Mark's goings-on, you can find his website at markkavuma.com. And he is, of course, across social media. And I will put the relevant links in the podcast show notes for you if you're listening on a podcast app. Don't forget you can find out more about the wider Jazz Matters project and sign up to the mailing list at jazzmatters.net. And you can also find us across social media by searching for Jazz Matters and looking for the blue logo. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another great podcast guest. But until then, my thanks to Mark for being part of this episode and my thanks to you for listening.